learning and I don't just mean reading books and learning I mean learning about me and who I am and it's constant change it's constant evolution the more I learn and I also make mistakes and I go back and I think but I thought I'd learned that lesson. Alice is a coach well-being expert and UX designer she spent over 15 years in personal development and well-being some of which in part came from her own experience of anxiety and burnout. Getting to know yourself is a fundamental part of Alice's work, whether that is on your yoga mat, at work, in your business, or in any other area of life. Everything starts with knowing yourself deeply and being willing to take the first step. Alice is also trained in mindfulness meditation, yoga, body work, and sleep recovery, all of which she brings to the work she does with her clients. She believes there's no one right way to get to know yourself. It's a personal journey. She's here to help craft that story and unlock your inner potential, whatever that means for you. Hello and welcome to the Refreshing Change podcast. My name is Nicola Scott and I will be your host. I've known each other for a few years through um, our coaching connections, but she will do a much better job of introducing herself than I probably will. So I'm going to hand over and Alice, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me as your first guest. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so my name's Alice. And yeah, I, I guess I, you know, firstly, I'm a yoga teacher and a mindfulness and wellness teacher. And then also I'm a coach too. And I work with people for various different reasons, but primarily, you know, people who are going through similar to you, Nicola, through change or transition, or, you know, they're wanting to sort of move from one place to another in their life. Um, but also as well, sometimes wellness type coaching. So someone is coming and they're maybe just going through a difficult period in their life and they need a little bit of support to navigate that as well. And I would say, you know, for me, I, I pull on lots of different areas of knowledge and experience from both my time in corporate sector from my creative skills um and then you know the wellness area as well to sort of help people to to really dig a little deeper within themselves and to figure out you know what what things what it means for them to um as we'll talk about be congruent you know to live the life that they want um and whether that's to do with their wellness or whether that's to do with their job or whatever it is all the same to me so yeah that's me yeah I love that and I know we're still on the same page aren't we about that just holistic approach to life and you know yeah. for me if you want to make any change you need to look after your wellness and be mindful of how one change can impact other areas of your life I know you're on the same on the same vibe with that which is amazing so just to kick us off Alice like what what does change mean to you and like what how's it had a place in your life what experience has change played in, 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 I suppose, your background, but your current life at the moment? Yeah. No, I think change is such an interesting one because we are, as human beings, we're always changing. We're always evolving. Like, that's the very nature of being human, that we are, we evolve. Um, and you can see that in how, as a species, we have evolved over the years and changed from going, you know, working out in the fields to working in offices and how we adapt and how we grow from that so I think you know for me it's in in some ways change is always present in our day-to-day -day life it's just that mm. oftentimes we forget that because maybe we have a routine 
and that makes us feel like there's some sort of sense of being stationary or things being the same but actually as human beings our very nature is to continually change and adapt and you know whether that's going through um you know having children or getting a new job or retiring or going through menopause or getting married divorce like all of these periods in our lives like if i think about what change has meant for me in my life i guess what it has meant is that it's constant like there's always there's always some kind of change happening whether that's on a small scale or a large scale but i am not the same person that i was 10 years ago let alone you know one year ago actually um because the truth is that as i learn as i go and i adapt i'm constantly evolving who i am and so i guess change for me is about that learning and that growth potential that that you are you're always feeding your sort of your mind and you are creating new understanding of, of like your place in the world and how you move through the world and what's important to you and i guess you know to touch on probably one of like i've had a lot of change and transition in my life but i guess one time where it felt bigger maybe than some others was actually when i went on one of my yoga teacher trainings and it was really deep work we did a lot of journaling a lot of writing a lot of introspection and reflection and we looked at our values and our ethics and when i came out of that training what was really interesting was that i had to have gone go and have conversations with people about some of the things that in our relationship hadn't worked because i realized in that moment that we'd been feeding into a cycle of a relationship that hadn't really been healthy or hadn't really been effective and so i think that was probably like a big one because it actually meant talking to some people i cared about and loved a lot about things that were difficult to navigate and to talk about but you know the the sort of positive side of that was that they received it really well thankfully um and that it changed our relationships and actually our relationships have continued to change based on that so i think you know big change which is often what we associate with can be a catalyst as you said earlier for so many other areas of your life yeah. you know you talked about you know maybe you you do something different with your wellness and that has a knock-on effect on every other part of your life and i think fundamentally change is that that particularly big change not that sort of ongoing consistent change as in we are aging every single day so therefore we're always changing there's no getting away from that you look in the mirror and you're not the same you don't look the same as you did you know a year ago or whatever so we're always changing but those kind of bigger changes where we make life decisions where we change something really big in our life you know those can be catalysts in other areas and I've worked with a lot of clients who come to me for yoga or wellness, meditation, coaching, whatever it is. And we we do one thing. We look at one area of their life they want to change. And then a year or two later, their life is different and not just in the area we worked on, but it has mm. a ripple effect everywhere else. And sometimes even I don't find out about some of that till later because our coaching journey ended. They go off out, they do whatever they're doing. And then it's only a year later they come back and tell me oh yeah i also am doing this and this is changing that's changing yeah so i i think it, you know maybe that big change can be a big catalyst for a, sh- a reshuffle um, oh my god i yeah. love that there's so much i'm scribbling notes as, as i do if anyone <laughs> as <always>. knows me <laughs> as always um oh god there's so much to unpack in, in just that alice because 
I, I wholeheartedly agree with you and I think I love the word like evolution or evolving because it is that like you like you describe we're changing every day but it's building on the change that's come before it and that's probably how it's certainly my experience but the bit that I think is really powerful is and I say this to a couple of people it's not about like standing at the bottom of the mountain looking at the top of the mountain thinking like that's the change I want to make and it's big and scary it's just like going up a set of stairs it's like one change after the next change and suddenly you look back and you're at the top of the staircase and thank god like my I've completely transformed my life it doesn't happen overnight and it's not always easy but those little um insights or discoveries or or changes or habits or you know it all propels you to where you where you ultimately want to get to but I, think I love that Sorry, I was just going to say I love that stair analogy because I was thinking about this earlier and actually, you know, some people might run up the stairs really fast and other people take a really long time to go up the stairs. And that is also part mm. of change is like our, the rate at which we go through that change is so individual. And some people it's like they make the changes what seems like overnight and other people it, it's more of a marathon. You know, it, 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 mm. the staircases take longer. They have more breaks on the stairs, you know, and they, they just rest for a little while. You know, it's like going up a big Monroe. You know, some people walk up really fast and they're done and other people, they might stop and take in the scenery and like, okay, this is where I'm at now. And then they'll keep going. And then, you know, so I, so I just wanted to reflect on that. I, I love that. Yeah, and that's so true. And again, there's no one way is right or wrong, is there? You know, you'll have seen that with clients or through your own experience, nothing's right or wrong when it comes to your life it's just and, I, and again suppose reflecting on some of the change I've made in the last 18 months it, it's felt really organic I couldn't have done it quicker than I've done it if that makes sense so there's a sense mm -hmm. of like that allowing isn't there being open to change and being curious and exploring and learning and growing but but not necessarily forcing the, and the two um there's a, there's a kind of real difference isn't there and, and you're right with the overnight, you know, a lot of people can look outside themselves and say like, oh God, they were an overnight success or an overnight, um, you know, transformed their life. But actually, we'll, you know, when we start at the bottom of the staircase, we're all in a completely different place. We've all come from different backgrounds, different experience. Some of us have got our trainers on and our running kit ready to go and others <laughs> haven't, you know, haven't even rolled out of bed yet. You know, and that yeah. it's that, and again, no one way is right or wrong. I think that the, the biggest takeaway is that to make you know to make a start you know it doesn't I always think that the you know there's that saying the best time to start was like six months ago and the second best time to start is today so it's just mm. about I suppose that that commitment to taking that taking the first step and the other thing I wanted to pick up on that you said was about um I suppose the, the parallels between like the daily change like we're always changing we're aging that's change like you mentioned <laughs> but there's change happening all the time but there, there, then there's that big like life-altering change you know the intentional change where we've actually gone and made something happen so what is that the difference between the kind of conscious change and the kind of like unconscious change um yeah. And I think as well, when you said about your, you know, your experience and going away and having those difficult, deep conversations with people, that's consciously, you know, driving change based on the work you've done on yourself yeah. to discover who you really are and what's really important to you. Does that, does that translate? Yeah. Is that, that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I think, 
you know, it was powered and fueled by that, I suddenly felt like I absolutely, actually, you know, a lot of it, I recognized that some of the beliefs I had, some of the ways I perceived my ability, my place in the world came from relationships, came from like how I was raised, um, you know, so I, when I looked into that, I realized like, I don't believe some of this. And so therefore mm. that, that had to change. Like I couldn't just go on accepting that this was a truth because it wasn't my truth. I didn't fully believe that. Um, and, you know, and, 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 you know, there were parts of it where I had misgivings or sadness around things that had happened, you know, not, not, not dramatically, but things that happened in my childhood that maybe sort of set me on a path at one stage um and so i wasn't going back to people and saying like you did this you're really bad i was accepting like ownership for it and saying like i played a part in that relationship and things like that but i wanted to address the impact and, and actually be able to say well this is how i feel about it now and how i feel like changing and i want to know that like i also want to appreciate that we both had our part to play in whatever that looked like um and so i think you know, sometimes change is really messy because ultimately, if you're going to do anything, if you just, even if you decide to leave a, a marriage or you decide to change a job, it comes with baggage in the sense that I might have been working in a job for 20 years and then I decide to do something else. I probably have identified with this job, with this career, maybe even some of the belief systems within that industry, whatever that might be. And then I have to change. And sometimes that can be difficult because sometimes people don't want to come on that change with you so the people that you love and care about they might not come with you and sometimes there's a sadness because you may have to let some of that go like mm. it's a rebirth in a sense you know and so you may have to yeah like not have such close proximity to certain energies or people um because it's in the best interest interest of you as you move forward Mm, yeah, I love that. I suppose it's ultimately been on that path to living your truest, authentic self, isn't it? And that you touched on like change, change can be messy. It can also be scary and overwhelming. It can also mm -hmm. be exciting and joyful. So, it, you know, it's not just one thing. I think you're, you're so right to touch on that. It's not always about the tangible action that we can take. It's about the mindset shift and the self-discovery and the self-inquiry. Yeah to allow for some of that to happen you know it's and I see that a lot in kind of um in goal setting or action planning it's it's much it's really heavily focused on the do 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 like what more can I do what mm. physical actions I need to take but actually a lot of the time and and I, I can see you nodding I know you'll relate to this because this is this is what I've experienced as well it's allowing yourself time it's surrendering to your emotions it's yeah. getting to grips with um, who you really are at your core and you mentioned that around your beliefs changed and I, we can maybe touch on values as well but I think it's so fascinating when you take a step back and observe your life and you as, a, as an individual as to what is truly innately you and what is what's been layered on by societal norms mm. pressures expectations and when you strip all of that back and suddenly get intimate with like who am I actually really at the core and what motivates and drives me what am I passionate about then the change 
I don't know I feel like the change then becomes slightly easier to make but it doesn't always mean that that's going to be easy to slot back into society if that makes sense there's difficult conversations to have or yeah. you have to then refigure out what your place is in the world and I suppose with beliefs they absolutely can shift you know you can learn something and alter your belief on something I don't know what your opinion of this Alice is but I find with your values like individual values I think it's I think of it like an onion you know like it's in the middle of the onion it's always been in there since you were like a little kid you know so much of who we are is is imprinted into us in our in our early years isn't it but we talk about peeling back the, the layers all the time and I don't think it's necessarily that our values change I, my belief is that we become more self-aware and get deeper to what who we are at the core um and that I suppose is an example I used to think my value was um like being around good people and good relationships and that's what I was had done a leadership program in my old corporate job and that's kind of where I'd got to and then delving into some deeper work over the last couple of years I've suddenly realized that personal ownership and responsibility was actually my core at the core of who I am and that showed up mm. right when I was like six or seven years old I, I used to um I used to do like arts and crafts and stones and slates and stuff and like sell it at a stall at the, outside my house and that was me taking financial ownership of my life, aged six or seven or something. Yeah. You know, it's mentally think about it. But that then has shown up at different at points of my life. So what's your what's your thoughts on that? Like beliefs and values and what's yeah. been your experience? I mean, I, I definitely I was nodding as well when you were talking about the onion and I've heard that before many times. And I, I definitely think that, you know, at, at the core of who we are, we've always known who we are. Um and similar to you. I so actually it's interesting you say that because I I remember saying to someone once I feel like I cannot like I feel like I, I felt like at a point in my life where I had lost that person I was like that person I knew um you know so many things had happened and I felt like I'd lost that person like I'd lost a bit of confidence and I'd lost that sense of who I was and maybe had been trying to please other people at first stage. And I and actually since since that point, I had been questing to go back to finding like that that person. I knew who I was. Like that, you know, I, in fact to the point at which I said to my mom, like, you know, what like I wanted some other information. Like, what was I like when I was a child? You know, mm. how was I? Because actually who I who I was as a child was very much was, is, is who I am right now. It's just that I sort of lost that. It had been buried underneath other people's expectations of me, um, you know, beliefs that had maybe been layered on me or whatever, but underneath that, like my core values and like my sense of self, like who I was ultimately, what I believed in as well, very deep down had always been there, you know, had always been there. And that, you know, there's, you know, if you look at children, you you know, unless obviously something has happened to them traumatically as a child, and that can obviously affect. But generally, when you look at children, you know, they, they are just themselves. They have these personalities that are, they're just so who they are, you know, and they're not really, but society, as we age, we sort of learn that if mum looks at us and goes, that's bad, then we know that's bad. You know, so we, like all of these different cues start to inform us both on a, a verbal, but also like on that subtle level of, 
these this isn't right that's bad that's you know things that people say to us even really subtle things that feel you know that they they might not even have the person could say it really offhand comment they start to like you know put the layer of the onion on so we start to kind of cover up who we think we are at that deep level might not be quite right might not necessarily um be acceptable to society um mm. and we sort of maybe sometimes forget our essence like the core of who we are our values the, our our deepest beliefs and knowing that has nothing to do with anything else just feel it in, well i mean i feel it inside um you know and i and i guess i hope other people too as well <laughs> you yeah. know yeah yeah i love that i think we can learn so much from kids can't we and I, one of the things that's that was popped into my mind when you were chatting was about fear like kids are so fearless nothing phases them so all all of the fears that we have as adults are learned behaviors aren't they you know the fear of what other people think the fear yeah. of failing the fear of success you know kids just go about life without any inhibitions like it, it, it. so again yeah. it is it's it's looking at where you know tracking it back almost to be like well where's that come from what what yeah. what messaging was I getting either you know when a school setting or a home setting or from friends like that I was trying to then fit in or that I was hearing all the time and yeah yeah so and it's, sometimes as, as adults we need to go back and un unpick some of that to then then get a bit more uh, in alignment with who who we are really absolutely I mean and you know it, it, you've said this already um but actually, like you talked about change and how one side of it can be messy, but it can also be joyful and wonderful. And fear is the same, you know, mm. it's like, you know, fear or nervousness is just opposite to excitement and like joy. They're just they're just, you know, opposite ends They're the same kind of like um, chemical response. It's just that they are felt differently because of how we like the cognition part. Um, and you know, just when you were talking, it really reminded me there of um, so you know that I do bouldering, rock climbing, and it was really interesting because you, when you talked about fear, um, you know, I've been getting coaching lessons from my, my climbing instructor, and um, there was this this problem that I was trying to do, and I was really struggling with it, you know, and I, I was getting to this point, and I kept chickening out basically. I was just like, I don't think I can do this yet. And it was really interesting because my coach just happened to be around. We weren't getting a lesson. And I said, oh, I'm really struggling with that problem. He said, oh, come here, I'll come over and have a look at how you're doing it. And I was doing, I got to the point where I, you know, had <laughs> jumped out the last time. I was like, no, I can't do it. And he was like, come on, you got this. That's all he said to me. And it was really interesting because in that moment, I believed that I had it. Like, I believed that I could do it. And, you know, that to me is also the, the beauty of coaching as well um is that sometimes we need we need someone to remind us that we can do it that we've got this like to be in our corner to be our cheerleader especially when we maybe don't believe it ourselves but what he said to me afterwards was really interesting and you know as a coach I was like bang you totally nailed this he said it's great that you can do it when I'm here but you need to do it when I'm not here like you need mm. to be able to cheer yourself on and tell yourself you can do it when I'm not here and I was like oh like it was like one of those moments where I was like oh my gosh this person is such a gifted coach and it really is because actually we ultimately in order to like 
own our own power and to step into who we are yes we might need and you know coaching and support is great but hopefully that leads us down that path and we can do it for ourselves it doesn't replace coaching but we can learn how to sort of coach ourselves through change and the language that we use internally and that, and how we talk to ourselves and how we frame things can help us to learn how to move through change ourselves you know as well and so yeah it was just a really beautiful moment to and it's like to to reflect on and yeah I was you know I was afraid and just as soon as someone believed in me and knew I could do it but I could always do it I never needed any I didn't need him I could always do it that just obviously helped me and so I think you know as you know for what you and I do that that powerful thing of coaching is you just remind people what they know already they can do it yeah yeah I love that and it's also yes about having a cheerleader whether that's yourself or or someone someone else but also I think with a lot of fears it's about asking like what is true you know I say that to, to clients and to people all the time you know when that story starts playing in your mind like and whether that's fear-based or lack of confidence or you don't believe you can do something you know whatever the the narrative is you know it's starting to look for evidence of the opposite you know Mm -hmm. here's a time where I did do that or I did execute that or I had that conversation and you know I survived it was fine so it's looking you know I always say to people like ask yourself is this what I'm having true and if it's not look for evidence to reinforce why it's not true because there'll be there'll be loads of it it just you'll need to be I suppose initially be intentional about recalling some of that to then help build that sort of inner cheerleader state I suppose um yeah yeah, I mean I was just gonna say you know it it kind of leads to another it's interesting because you know it leads me to think about failure and Mm. how um you know like for me I was conditioned to think that failure wasn't an option Mm. so um but actually and it's really interesting because now I a lot of the work I do um especially in the more creative side of my works of the design work is all around test and learn and like fail and learn fail and learn and fail and learn and I think that's something that as as individuals we don't give ourselves enough space to fail you know it's actually okay to fail because the biggest lessons come out of our failures they always do provided that we can sit back and reflect so obviously if we sit and dwell on how terribly we did then yeah we're not going to go anywhere but if we can actually look and say okay what happened here and like you say ask those questions like what was driving that like why didn't i why didn't i believe that i could do that like you know or what was missing what what why my knowledge was missing there like what do i need to know um and do i already know this thing is there anywhere else that i use it in my life could i take inspiration from someplace else where i have those skills and transfer it here so i think you know it's such that big reflective piece that you know that's why i said at the beginning i love learning and i don't just mean reading books and learning i mean learning about me and who i am and it's constant change, it's constant evolution, the more I learn. And I also make mistakes and I go back and I think, oh, I thought I'd learned that lesson, you yeah. know? And then I catch myself in a moment where I'm doing something and I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I need to go back and look at that again. Cause I've fallen into old and comfortable thought processes, habits, behaviors. Mm. And I need to like, actually need to go back out again, step back out and say, okay, 
work on that again because you just you know mm. let that part fall away yeah and I think it's that um people often say like you know the universe will keep giving you the same lesson until you actually learn it won't they mm-hmm. <laughs> won't it mm-hmm. so it is about um yeah that reflection like reflection so underrated I think like you know it, it can give us so much insight and I do think and I and I don't know if this resonates with you Alice or, or anyone that's listening but I think there's a real sense of people don't want to get things wrong anymore you know, people are really afraid to say I don't know something or I tried this and it didn't work out or you know actually failure is so crucial to then actually to achieving anything you know yeah. and wh- whatever space you're in if you're an athlete or in corporate or you know a stay-at-home mum doing trial and error with the kids to get them to learn you know there's it, it, it's in loads of areas of our life but yeah, that failure piece, and again, I, like it's something I definitely, I suppose, through through starting like business and leaving corporate, I've had lots of fear of failure chats going on in my own head. Um, but the lot, my logical brain and the Nicola, as a you know, thirty-four year old coach that I am today, loves failure. Like I thrive off it because I'm learning, like exactly like you, learning, evolving gaining more insight awareness like awareness is one of my big passions like Mm -hmm. it just giving you more um more insight to then go and make a different choice or go down the right path or or navigate what the future looks like um but I had been working with my own coach actually and um we've been doing a bit of a hypnosis and we were looking at the you know fear of failure and where did that even stem from and it was something that happened when I was like seven years old, when I was at gymnastics club, the coach, knowing what I know now, the coach probably bullied me in that session to, you know, I couldn't do something. I failed at a, at a, at a gymnastics move. And the result of that failure was I was isolated from everyone else, um, like marginalized a little bit, being made like to do this action over and over and over again for the rest of the evening, like on my own. So, you know, so it was a really horrible experience as a seven or eight year old but I didn't process it at the time of this is you know failure and this is what it means but I'd been you know that had been in my subconscious for all yeah. of these years with like was I had zero awareness of it and it wasn't until I can't remember if I told you the story but it wasn't until I was in the hypnosis that it like came back to me I hadn't thought of that memory in 20 plus years um, so the the bit I find fascinating is all of this stuff that happened to us when I was young, when we were younger, positive, negative, you know, happy, sad, whatever it was, you know, a lot of it is still with us, whether we're aware mm-hmm. of it or whether we're aware of it or not. And I know we've spoken a bit about um, you know trauma before. That's a whole different topic, but yeah. it stays stays with us. You know, sometimes physically in our bodies, and that's where yeah. some of the wellness stuff comes in. But also, you know, mentally within our within our kind of subconscious programming. So, yeah, I think failures are a really fascinating topic. But it is about, you know, if we can reflect on everything we're doing, we're learning like what worked well and how do we do more of that, and what hasn't worked so well, and where can we make, you know, a tiny tweak or change or an improvement. And ultimately, that is perpetual change, isn't it? It just means that we're yeah. It's that constant evolution that you spoke about right at the beginning. And that's good. Oh, sorry, I no, you go, you go. As you go, if as you make any significant change, you will there will be things you get wrong. Let's just not even 
don't worry about calling it a failure, but there'll be things that just don't work the way you expect. And I think that, you know, that's part of it is that it's a process we're learning and you have to give yourself that space to do that because otherwise, like you and I have talked about, it's really stifles you actually, because like if you don't give yourself the space to get it wrong, you won't do anything. You're gonna have that paralysis, you know, perfection paralysis where you wanna do anything until you get it 100% right. The truth is, none of us get it 100% right. Every single incredibly talented person I know, um, some of whom I've been lucky enough to witness on their journey to like stardom, you know, or greatness, have got it wrong. Like there's been evolutions of them the whole way through. I've watched them change and grow and evolve. And yeah, they've made mistakes. And I think, you know, one of the things for me certainly is learning how to be um, compassionate with yourself within that. Because, you know, my default for a long time was if I didn't do something was to really beat myself up about it, to be really negative, to put myself down, you know, whether that was, you know, trying to, you know, be healthier with my food choices. And if I didn't, I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm fat, I'm disgusting. You know, this was the inner dialogue that I had, you know, a really, really aggressive, negative inner dialogue. Um, if I couldn't do something, if I failed at it, I'm like, I'm terrible, everyone else is better than me. Well, you know, that isn't true. It's a complete lie that I'm telling myself. And, you know, we all do this. I talk about this a lot, particularly in, in yoga as well, because obviously when we're using our body, it can tend to come up quite quickly if we can't do a yoga pose, you can see people get really disheartened and think, oh, I'm terrible, I can't do that. People even say to me, oh, I could never do that. And I'm like, actually, that's not true. You don't know that you could never do that. <laughs> because if you don't try it, you will never ever know. Um, and I think, you know, being able to bring some tenderness, you know, so you have that piece, which is mindfulness, where you are aware and conscious of those thoughts, even appearing and being there. And then, you also are able to say, okay, like this language I'm using isn't helpful. So maybe it isn't that I can never do this, but maybe it's that I can't do it right in this moment, but actually I'm trying. So that's really great because I'm, I'm starting the process. And it might take me six months or it might take me 10 years, but you know, being able to have that sort of ability to override that negative chatter and to say, okay, why don't you just keep going and see how you get on? You know, whatever whatever you end up, your inner dialogue is, but you reframe that, you reframe the conversation that you're having with yourself. Mm, absolutely. We used to do this at work in my old job, actually. You know, you used to call folk out if they said, oh, I can't do something. I mean, you just have to chuck on the word yet on the end of the sentence. So <laughs> I can't do this yoga pose yet. You know, it's it's that, it's that, um, opening up the space for the for the failure or for the lessons or for the progress or the change but that three letter words mm -hmm. actually really powerful at the end of any sentence so you either remove I can't from your vocabulary altogether or you chuck on the yet to the end of the sentence but it just yet yeah, like language is so powerful isn't it and there's yeah. that saying um oh god I can't remember who it is now but you know that if you believe you can't you can't and if you believe you can you can't you know a lot of it is it's mindset driven isn't it and I think too you know this is where I find it really interesting is sometimes it's maybe that we don't really want to and I think we have to be able to 
discern what the truth is and that is a really hard thing to do takes some time and effort you know and also what our version of can is you know i work with a lot of clients who have injuries who have like lots of complex health issues so they may never do a handstand you know that might never be something that they do because physically it would be impossible in the in the where they are right now and that might not be their end goal but i guess it's it's kind of figuring out like what is you know talking back to values and you know what is important to you what is important to you in that process um and then figuring out how you do your version of it again one of my teachers says you know what part of this is possible what part of this can i do so i might not be able to do something fully yet or maybe ever it, it might not be someplace i ever go to but what part of it can i embody or what part of it can i do and actually maybe as well it's about recognizing that we have this shared humanity, this common um, experience of being human that, you know, we're all, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And actually there's a part of us being able to say, you know, I can do this, can you do that? And can we together do that thing? You know, so mm -hmm. it's not always about us having to see us as being alone in our experience of the world, because, you know, take us talking, for example, on a podcast or not on a podcast, I always come off of those calls feeling like we've solved some kind of problem. <laughs> you know, alone, I might have some answers, but then you add to it. And suddenly this becomes this incredible, you know, conversation and we, we get to the depth of something that we wouldn't have been able to achieve alone. So I think mm -hmm. also as well, there's something about community within change and transformation and how you are you are often empowered by your that community and that connection as well mm -hmm. oh god i love that i'm so, I, i'm gonna feel that what's your version of can that is bloody brilliant because i think you're right there's a there's like having a confidence to say what is and isn't for you and mm -hmm. again that is truthful if you've done the work to know who you really are and what really lights you up i know yeah. you know my in my old job, I was never a detail orientated person. Finance wasn't my thing. So I had the ability and I'd you know developed that ability over the years to be to be to do it to a certain to a standard that I needed to. But was I ever gonna excel at that? No, because that is not my bag. And I was cool with that. Like my bag's over here doing all the other stuff. So I'm yeah. gonna step into my power and my super strengths and my skills in this area and and yeah there's I was proficient but I wasn't excelling at some stuff and there's a bit of when you know yourself that that's a non-issue it, it's I think when you when you lack that confidence in who you really are there's a feeling like I want to be good at everything and there's that then that comparison creeps in to be like well they can do that and that and you don't there's that lack of ownership over who you are and what your strengths are. I wanted to touch on, because I, I love that bit about compassion that you were saying. Um, and I think with with failure comes that shame and guilt quite often. You know, and it could be on the smallest thing. It could be like, right, I'm going to get up tomorrow at whatever time and go and go for a run. And then you don't do it. And then you've, you know, so you've failed your morning and then shame and guilt creep in and it, it, it I'm quite passionate about this. I don't feel that shame and guilt serve anyone in any capacity. 
And so it's so much easier just to let that go and give yourself permission. And the same with food choices. You touched on that, Alice. Like, I've tried for years <laughs> to stop eating as much chocolate as I do, and I can't <laughs> do it. Um, but I gave up drinking. So it's not that I lack the discipline or this or the um or the kind of uh, like goal orientated mindset or the drive to make a change that I've got that in me I've done it with other stuff um so there's a bit about just surrendering to be like right I'm gonna you know there's I'm an emotional connection with chocolate that's why I find it harder um but it's like I'm not gonna then eat the chocolate then feel the shame and guilt after it because it, I'm just I'm just self-sabotaging like that's not serving me at all and actually if I have enough self-awareness and I've made a choice an informed conscious decision to eat the chocolate then I'm cool with that I'm going to own that decision I think where they often it, it is unhelpful is if there's no conscious thought about the choice we're doing stuff habitually without any awareness yeah. and then we can spiral in you know into a bit of a pit of self-despair I suppose um but yeah it's that and I know you you've spoken to me um previously about that kind of um what's the what what was the word there was a book you'd read about compassion fierce compassion yeah yeah so so what's Um, your what's your take on that Alice yeah I mean so I guess I was just sort of pick up on a couple of things first as well from what you said was you know timing is everything I think and you know you said about um you know having the conviction to give up alcohol and and that drive and I think a lot of the time you know it is everything you know making a decision to change something requires that you consciously make you really truly want to make that thing so timing is everything like my parents used to smoke and they tried to give up millions of times and then one day they at different times decided to give up smoking and they did and they haven't started again but it was a really like something changed within them some some value or some process happened that I wasn't you know aware of and suddenly they stopped and it wasn't sudden because obviously there was a kind of maybe a catalyst to that but it was the right time for them to do that and then yeah I guess like picking up on like shame and guilt um Brenny Brown is an author who I, I absolutely love and she talks a lot about shame and guilt and actually to distinguish her distinguish between the two which I distinct distinguish her <laughs> she differentiates the two let's just you know use a word I can use today um she basically um she says like guilt is I've done something wrong so like you know mm. I made a mistake shame is I am wrong and so mm. it's a really interesting distinction that she makes because you know you might feel guilty like oh I didn't get up early it's really annoying I've ruined my day that's pretty crap and you can be you can have a little bit of guilt and think a bit annoying and but you can probably let that go quite quickly because you're just like okay you know tomorrow I'll walk tomorrow I'll get up but shame is I didn't get up early I'm a bad person I'm I'm a terrible person I'm useless and crap and for me that's where compassion ultimately can come in like in such a big way because um so you know to talk about um Kristen Neff's work she is sort of like the researcher and compassion expert and her work is amazing um and so basically, you know, she talks about two different types of compassion. One is this sort of more softer, gentle type of compassion where, you know, for example, um, uh, like I'm working on a big project, a big deadline, and I'm really struggling to hit that deadline. I'm like, right, okay, I'm going to do an all-nighter. I'm just going to work all night. Well, the compassionate thing there is probably to say, do you know what? You actually need to go to bed early, give yourself a rest, or maybe even go and do something completely different. Get away from it, come back to it you know 
and then do it tomorrow rather than burning yourself out and abusing yourself around that. And I kind of say like, you know, I quite often think, you know, what would one of my friends like you say to me if I came, if I came to you and were like, Nicola, I'm trying to get this deadline. I'm going to do an all nighter because I'm just so shit. I'm blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to do it. You probably wouldn't say to me, yeah, do an all nighter. You suck. And if you did, we might not be friends. You'd probably say to me, you know, like, okay, like, what can you do right now? What do you, you know, could you, you've been working hard. I know you've been working hard. You, you know, we haven't seen each other. I know how deep you've been in this project. You know, could you take a little bit of time off or, you know, like, could you speak to your boss about, you'd probably problem solve for me and think of as many different solutions as possible. So that compassionate piece we can do ourselves, we can say, right, okay, you know, do I need to have an early night or do I need to speak to my boss about how I'm feeling? Or, you know, do I need to phone my friend and tell them I can't actually meet for dinner tonight because, you know, and, and that sort of um, plays into a little bit of fierce compassion because sometimes you have to fiercely protect your time and that might not always be good for other people. You know, your friends might get really upset and be like, but we had plans. You've totally canceled on me at the last minute. That's really shit of you. Um, and actually fierce compassion is, you know, I'm burnt out, I'm exhausted. This is nothing to do with you. You're still my friend and I still care about you immensely, but I have to do this for me because I'm really struggling. So it's seriously, mm. uh, sort of defend it not defending yourself but like standing up for your needs and like taking that action so one can be gentler it's a bit more you know okay I'm gonna it's not necessarily going and having a bubble bath but it might be you know like you say you have an early night or you know maybe you cancel a couple of plans or whatever and then the other thing can be really advocating for yourself you know um or maybe a situation at work where there's someone talking to you in a really unpleasant manner you can fiercely and compassionately defend yourself and say to them this is not acceptable this it does not feel appropriate in this scenario so it can be and i think the reason that she talks about this in particular is because um and i'm talking specifically from my experience of being a female someone who identifies as female i can't speak to anyone else's experience but you know that feeling of sometimes when i defend myself as someone who identifies as female, I can be seen as, you know, bitch, aggressive, less feminine, you know? And so actually fierce compassion is about being able to not have to do it in a masculine way necessarily. So you're, there's a fiercely kind way of basically getting what you need, meeting your needs and feeling sort of okay. Um, and, yeah, I think that can play out for men and women as well. I don't think gender always is, but I would say that people who are female tend to probably experience that a little bit differently in, from my experience, personal experience. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I suppose that, like like you say about meeting our own needs, it, it, that you know brings us back to almost where we started around you know, knowing who we are, knowing what our beliefs are, our values, what lights us up because, and having the awareness of all of that because then we can identify what our needs are, like what is going to truly fulfill us or bring us joy or happiness. And when someone breaks that boundary or crosses the boundary, then, you know, that's then we, we need to step in with that that fierce compassion don't we Alice I'm gonna um I'm conscious of time I'm gonna wrap it up but I've got I've got one question for you just to end on I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot but 
we've, we've covered so much ground about change and, and it's taken us in all sorts of directions. But if someone was contemplating making a change in their life, what would be like a top tip you would share with like how to get started? Is there anything that comes to mind? Oh, gosh, <laughs> that's a really tough one to end on. Um, I wish you'd prep me for that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, it it's just, okay. It just um, came to me. Yeah, no, I think, um, I guess, you know, if, if someone is contemplating change, I think probably it's not one top tip, but I think, you know, they need to probably ask themselves, like, you know, where am I now? And what is it that I need to help me to start to make those decisions? So there's, I think initially it has to start with a reflective piece. So obviously I would say, you know, work with a coach, you know, all these other things, but I think ultimately they've got to figure out, like they have to do that, that very first piece of work of just like taking a moment, taking stock, looking at where they are and, and actually assessing like, what is it that I need help with? You know, kind of like, like what the thing before, what part of this can I do myself? Like what sort of skills already do I have that I could start doing some change, but actually where do I need support? Um, mm. Because, you know, people go through change without any help and they just, like they go through their own process, we all do. So I think it's probably, I think it's really like stopping probably, you know, and actually just taking a moment to really think about where am I now? Like, and, and what might I need going forward? Like what can help me? Because then you can make good decisions about who you then work with or who you then get support from. So I guess that's probably, yeah, what I would say. <laughs> I'm probably gonna have a really incredible answer in like an hour's time when we're finished talking and I'll text you when I, when I do. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. I did put you on the spot there, but I think you're right. It's that it's taking stock and, and, and reflecting it's probably the starter isn't it um so yeah thank you so much Alice thank you so much for your time I really loved as I always do I really love our chats and I just I hope the listeners have I know the listeners will have got loads out of that because we've covered loads of ground so thank you so much for your time thank you for tuning in and we'll speak to you soon bye Thank you so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed that episode and make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so that next week you can join us again